Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a devotional reflection upon the New Testament lesson from the Order for Evening Prayer from the Book of Common Prayer 1928. These reflections are written and presented by Father Charles Erlinson, who serves at the Church of the Good Shepherd Reformed Episcopal Church in Tyler, Texas. Today is Monday of the fifth Sunday after Trinity. The lesson is taken from Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and he came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent-makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And when they opposed themselves, and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence, and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed, and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. I can't believe it. Another amazing success story is for the Apostle Paul. How did he get so lucky as to be able to swoop into a city, convert a lot of people in spite of persecution, and then leave to the next city to do it all over again? That's the way it feels anyway reading the book of Acts, but is that the way it really happened? We have a tendency in our culture to do everything quickly, and one of those things we do quickly is to read the Bible. There are places in the Bible where you can turn the page and 400 years pass, not many, but they're there. We read in rapid succession about Paul's extraordinary missionary trips and the phenomenal success of the Holy Spirit through his ministry. I'd like to draw your attention to verse 11 of chapter 18 of Acts. Slipped in among this whirlwind tour of Paul's, we find that he spent 18 months in the city of Corinth. Before we quickly move on to Antioch in verse 18, we should allow verse 11 to seep within us and dwell there. 18 months. Paul had a missionary ministry of approximately 24 years, from around A.D. 44 to A.D. 68. If you don't count the last 10 years of his life, during which he was mostly in prison, Paul had about 14 years of a very active evangelistic ministry. He was extraordinarily gifted to be able to speak to both Jews and Gentiles and plant churches. He visited a long litany of cities, and could undoubtedly have visited even more. And yet he spent 18 months in Corinth. Shouldn't he have moved a little more quickly and gotten to more places that hadn't heard about Christ? Yet he didn't. But Paul understood what we sometimes forget in our missionary and evangelistic haste, and that is that evangelism is attached to discipleship, and that evangelism and missions work is not about numbers or programs, but about relationships. The goal is a new relationship with the God who is, in his essence, a relationship through a relationship with the body of Christ. This relationship which we are to communicate is communicated through relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with the body of Christ, and our relationship with the people we wish to bring into a relationship with Jesus Christ and thereby the Trinity. 
This is why Paul spent 18 months in Corinth. Who did he spend his time with? This brings up another aspect of relationship ministry, evangelism, and discipleship. We have a better chance of bringing Jesus Christ to people to whom we are closer. At Corinth, with whom did Paul choose to stay? He stayed with Priscilla and Aquila because he was a tent maker, as they were. He already had something in common with them, and so he stayed with them. In time, they became pillars of the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church even met in their house, 1 Corinthians 16.19. The truth is that Jesus Christ has always been spread most effectively through relationships, and the closer the relationship, the more likely Jesus Christ will be communicated in it. In a large crusade, which is very impersonal, except for the relationships that existed before the crusade, Jesus Christ is only weakly communicated. I don't mean that God doesn't use such crusades, or that the message given might not induce someone to have a greater relationship with Jesus, but the relationship between the evangelist and the many of the attendees is fairly weak, and so is the relationship with Jesus Christ that is established, which is something that can't be communicated in a single moment of emotion. When I acted as a counselor at a Louis Palau crusade in Tyler, Texas years ago, the crusade went on for five days. The papers said that 15,000 people came and that thousands devoted their lives to Christ. I saw something very different. I saw the vast majority of the people in the oil palace singing the praise choruses which were sung for the first 15 minutes or more. Almost everyone was singing the praise choruses and even waving their hands, except some wise guy from the local Reformed Episcopal Church who didn't know them. That was my first clue that most of the people there were already Christians. When Louis Palau took off his glasses, the cue he told us for all of his count for all of us counselors to come forward and act as a catalyst for people to come forward to give their lives to Christ, about 220 people came forward that night by my count. I tried to play it cool and arrive in the middle, but by the time I arrived, all the people who wanted a counselor had long ago been snatched up. I estimate that about 20 of those 220 were people who wanted to speak to a counselor. Out of those 20, I wonder how many had never before claimed to believe in Jesus. They've done some interesting studies about how effective Mormons are in converting people. What do you think the batting percentage is for the two guys on bicycles in white shirts, black pants, and black ties is when they come to your door? They have a success rate of about 0.1% or 1 out of 1,000. I haven't seen any research on this, but I think the real purpose of having Mormon teens serve a two-year missionary gig has a lot more to do about confirming the faith of the Mormon teens than it does with trying to convert them, to convert us. When Mormon guys hit 18, their names are entered into some kind of lottery system as I understand it. One former student of mine drew South America, but another one had the misfortune of drawing Mongolia. Worse yet, on a 12-hour train ride, while there, his appendix ruptured and he was in great pain, but he continued on. What are the odds that that guy will stay a Mormon if he endures something like that for his faith? If a Mormon suggests contact with someone, the odds that that person will eventually become a Mormon improves to 7-8%. to 8%. If the person contacted is willing to set up an appointment with some Mormon missionaries, the rate increases to 34%. And if contact with Mormon missionaries took place in the home of a Mormon relative or friend, the rate reaches its zenith at 50%, or one-half. But the real secret to the phenomenal Mormon growth rate is simply that they are having more children than we are, and they are keeping more of them in the Mormon faith. Where are the richest, most enduring relationships on earth? In the family. The family is the secret not only to discipleship, but also to evangelism. In the early days, the Mormon faith spread almost exclusively through a network of several close families. 
while we should reach out to everyone who God has made our neighbor, we have a greater responsibility to our own family, as well as a much greater influence on them. It's not surprising, then, that in the book of Acts, one of the primary ways the Christian faith was spread was through entire households, including children and even servants, presumably. One Cornelius believed all his household was saved as well. Acts 11.14 When the Philippian jailer believed in Christ and was baptized, so did all of his household. Acts 16.31-34 And here in Corinth, when Crispus the ruler of the synagogue believed, so did all of his household. Not only that, but being the ruler or father of the synagogue, many of those who believed in Corinth in verse 8 were probably due to Crispus's conversion. There was nothing automatic or easy about Paul's evangelistic work. He and others not only preached the word of God, but spent a great deal of time and labor in teaching it with their lives and in their relationships. Paul spent 18 months in Corinth, and he went back to churches he had already visited. If we want to follow the early church in bringing Jesus Christ to people, then we must follow the leading of the Spirit, whatever he encourages and provokes us to bring Jesus Christ to the people already in our lives. A few, like Paul, are called to break new ground in foreign lands, but all of us are called to bring Jesus Christ into the lives of the people we know and love. Finally, Paul's pattern has application to your personal life as well. You won't be sanctified in a moment of time. In Give Us This Day, I try to faithfully and forcefully make known the commands and demands of Christ on his disciples, but he is marvelously merciful. He knows you won't get there in a day or even a year. You must come to Christ every day, in all ways possible, and you must not try to come to him alone without his body, the church. I can believe it. Another amazing success story for the Apostle Paul. Another day for each of us to come to Jesus Christ and be blessed. Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a presentation of Always With Christ Radio. Radio in the Anglican Way.